With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Celtic against Rangers in the last 16 of the Scottish Cup at Ibrox. Basically, there is little point in waffling on with some long-winded intro because this sort of game doesn't need one. So, on the record Celtic podcast this week, straight to business. No small talk, straight to Parkhead legend Chris Sutton and uh, Daily Record legend Michael Gannon. Boys, how are we? Yeah, very well, thanks. Bit, bit of a lazy opening there, Swanee. You've been good this season, but you getting near the end of the season. You've sort of chucked it there, haven't you? I just, I, I, the size of the game, Chris, does it, doesn't need any long-winded waffle from me. Mm. Well, I'll leave that to you. How are you, Mick? Not too bad, Christopher. Thank you very much. Looking forward to the weekend. Too bad, Cracker. Mm-hmm. Good. Ask, ask the gardener to keep it quiet out the back, Michael. So I've, I've asked him. He's, just, he's taking a break. It's a big job out there, so he's, he's taking, taking a little break. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Managed to fit those three leaves into the cigarette packet, don't they? <laughs> okay, boys, enough of this small chat that we said we weren't going to have. Chris, massive game on Sunday at Ibrox for Celtic. Last chance of any silverware for this particular season goes on to the line how do you assess the game ahead um well i think it's a it's a you know big game for for both teams but um massive for celtic in terms of a, a bit of pride this season has been uh, a disaster so far hasn't it the league done and dusted so early um and it's up to to john kennedy's team to to go out and uh and put one on Rangers here. I think it's a very, very difficult one to call. Um, you know, it has been job done for Rangers. And while Steven Gerrard talks about the team wanting to win the cup, and uh, and I'm sure they will be motivated. Their motivation really now is to rub Celtic's noses right in it. But from Celtic's point of view, it's uh, it's win at all costs. And, and Scott Brown, that will be. Uh, well, that will be his. Is it? Will it be his last game at Ibrox? Now, yeah. last cup tie at Ibrox. Last cup tie. There we go. Yeah, thanks for yeah. putting me right on that. His last cup tie at Ibrox. You know, nothing lazy, better Chris, lazy. for him. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, not, nothing better uh, than for him to to finish. Uh, you know, a cup tie on a high uh, by by beating his greatest rivals. Michael, there's been a lot of uh, discussion uh, through the season about the Celtic record against Rangers this season. Not so good. Various opinions on the performance levels. A lot of people think that Celtic were the better team in the last two games, despite winning any of, despite not winning any of them. I should say. Um, do you think that Celtic are on an upward curve going into the game after the performance last week against Livingston? Well, I think they're certainly in better shape than they might have been at certain points of the season. Um, Listen, I think I think the pressure's on Rangers this weekend. Really, I think this is this is a Celtic team that's come on, Mick. 
No, I do. I think Rangers are, are, are quite well, clear. Rangers, are... Rangers have won the league at a canter, what, 20-odd points clear of, yeah, of Celtic, should, whatever, they, whatever they, it is. They, they and there's more be... pressure on Rangers. The pressure yeah, is on Rangers because... to win the league. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Yeah, but they're, 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 they're viewed as a superior team. It's a Celtic team that's getting dismantled in the summer. Not, well, John, 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 Kennedy, John Kennedy doesn't think they're a superior team, does he? Well, the stats don't lie, but this is a Celtic team that's getting dismantled in the summer. They haven't got a manager. So they haven't got a manager just now. So Celtic, it's a free punch, I think. This is a kind of... Um, oh, come on. Almost mate. a free shot. I think the pressure's on Rangers. If Rangers lose, if Rangers lose this cup tie, if Rangers lose this cup tie, it'd be a massive blow to Rangers. It'd be an embarrassment to Rangers. No, but don't don't be ridiculous. The embarrassment has been Celtic are twenty points behind, but no manager. Yeah, but the embarrassment has been on Celtic. Uh, uh, no, I get that. But in this in this fixture this weekend, Celtic are twenty points behind, haven't beat Rangers for Mm. over a year, and have no manager. If it's not, if it's about as close to... Well, look at the bookies. Who, who the bookies got as favourites? Oh, and do you know, that's always your out, isn't it? You always go back to the bookies, don't you? That's always your throwaway. I don't, I don't follow the odds, Mick. But, <laughs> but there's a, for a reason. Bookies are a reason, there's a reason why bookies drive Bentleys. Because they're usually right. So Rangers are, 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 are viewed as a superior side. They're in form. They won the title. They're 20 points ahead. They've got a manager. Well, so Celtic have got a three points. Well, Celtic have got a manager. Game. Celtic have well, got a manager. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's slightly uh, interim, disrespectful uh, to John no, Kennedy. No, but they've got interim manager. They've got half a dozen players. He's still a manager. Out. He's still a manager, but got a lot of players who won't be there in the summer. They know they won't be there in the summer. It's a whole upheaval coming in the direction. So I think it would be a, a major result for Celtic to go there and, and beat Rangers. It would be a, a bit of a sore one for Rangers to take. So that's, that's why I think the pressure is on Rangers to perform. Because if they don't and they get beat, it's a bit of a slap in the chops for them at a time when they're meant to be so superior. That's all. Michael, Michael could you pick up, please, on the, uh, a point that, that Chris raised there regarding something John Kennedy said last weekend, that on their day, he still believes Celtic are the best team in the country. Is that the type of thing you would just expect a manager to say to lift his players? To well, give he's been nice to Do you think there's merit in that? He's been nice to he's been nice to his squad, but there's no evidence for that this season. I mean, it goes back to who 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 would you have in the team? I mean, unfortunately, at this point in time for Celtic, you would have to say the majority of the select team between both sides would be from the Rangers, the entire back four and goalkeeper for a start. So you can't you can't really say that. I mean, Celtic can produce performances on their day. When these days have happened this season, they've been too too few and far between, which is why they finished twenty four points behind Rangers. But I think I think at the moment the stats don't lie. And I think, listen, I don't understand why Kennedy said it because he knows that oh, come Celtic on, click, when Celtic click, they can be good, but I don't think well, you can well, say well, they're better than Rangers. How can you understand how John said that? Because he's trying to, he's not going to come out and say to his own squad, yeah, they're probably a better team than us. What, when they've won the league at a canter by 20 points, they're not well, the what would you have said, Chris? What would you have said in his position? Well, he he could still say that uh, Celtic have a good team, and on their day, you know, they they can perform uh, extremely well. But you can't. That's what I mean, he said. Uh, well, he, no, no, he said the they're the best team in the in, yeah. in in the country, didn't he? Then that's a completely different thing to say. It's a ridiculous thing to say. I mean, first of all, it's absolutely not true. Everybody can can see that. I mean, it's it's slightly delusional. To say that now, you know whether Celtic fans like it or not. I think that you know everybody has to sit back and applaud what uh, what Steven Gerrard has done at Ibrox this season. They've won the league easily. Celtic, it's been a woeful, woeful season. Just accept it, and that's what John Kennedy didn't do. Now Celtic still have a team who are uh, extremely capable, 
a team which haven't performed well enough this season. And on any given day, of course, they can go out and beat Rangers. But, you know, I, I can't. It, it was just a really daft comment to make to say that Celtic are the, uh, you know, still the best team in the country when they have been annihilated this season. I mean, that's up there with, with sort of Pedro Cusina stuff, isn't it? I mean, it was just, it was, it was an unnecessary comment. And uh, it may be a comment which actually motivates Rangers going into this game, you know, just, just to absolutely put one on Celtic. But I would, you know, I'd like to think that that wouldn't affect, uh, you know, uh, the, the Celtic team and their mindset. For Celtic, it's the, the weekend game is to go out and to prove a point. And it's playing for, for pride. It's playing for the jersey. And, you know, in a one-off game, uh, you know, just, just showing that uh, that they are a good team. But they aren't the best team in the country this season. That's uh, that's plain to see. I was thinking that, Chris, if you were in that dressing room and you heard your, your rival saying that, that, that kind of comment, how would, you, how would that go down with you? Before you face them, that motivate you? I would laugh. I'd laugh yeah. and laugh and laugh and laugh, and I just think it was it, it was idiotic. There's one thing backing your team, but you you know you have to you you have to um, accept that uh, you know what's happened across the city this season. They've been a good team. They've been better. They've been far more consistent defensively. Uh, they've been stronger. You you know you said a, a few minutes back. You know how many on the evidence of this season. You know, if you were to pick uh, the, the the strongest eleven in Scotland, you'd probably pick most of the Rangers players. And you know, I'm, I'm struggling to think of a Celtic player, even Edward, who you know, I'm a massive fan of, but he hasn't turned up this season for Celtic. I know people can look at his goals tally, you know, and he, he's improved, I think. But uh, you know, he's one of of many many players who have been. Substandard, and that's Celtic's uh, issue. Now, if if they turn up at the weekend and play to the level which uh, they, they've shown in previous seasons, then Rangers will be in for one hell of a game. I, I think James Forrest being fit is is going to be a big deal. It didn't look good when he limped off uh, against Livingston. I, I mean, you boys are in the know, but I mean, what's 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 the word on that? Is is James Forrest going to be fit? He was having checks over the first couple of days. It was more a precaution that he was taken off. But they're still waiting to see how it all settles down. And that's so that, that's totally non committal. To I, I was hope, I was hoping for a scoop there. <laughs> I don't think they know. Yeah, I think I think it looks a struggle, doesn't it? It looks as though it's going to be tight. I think for them, just coming back from a long injury as well. So <laughs> come on, guys, come on. Can't give too much away, Chris. Can't give too much away. <laughs> Listen, I'll get back, gentlemen. I'll get back to the game and. The, what it means in the grand scheme of things. Looking ahead, a lot of people think it's, it may have an effect on next season, momentum and such like. I'll get your views on that later on, but just going through the actual game itself, Michael, as there certain areas, it's been pretty obvious, I think, to everyone in the last two games that Celtic need to be more clinical at both ends of the pitch to, to get the job done. Is there any specific areas of the game where you think it'll be won and lost for Celtic? Yeah, I mean, weirdly, I mean, Celtic have played well in the last two, two games um, without getting results, which is, by the way, the result is the only thing that matters. Um, but Celtic have played pretty well, and for all, I do think Rangers have been better side this season. I think Celtic have given Rangers a problem in the way they've played. I must admit, before the, even the New Year game and the second game in March, I looked at the, the diamond formation that Celtic were going to play against Rangers. I thought that is dangerous against Rangers. I think the, the, the problems Rangers can cause down the flanks. I thought that, that formation was going to cause a, a real difficulty for Celtic. Turned out, actually, it was opposite. The way Celtic played it, the, the full-backs were quite advanced, so it really packed out the midfield, like a five-man midfield against three in there. 
it cut it cut the Rangers front three adrift. It got started on the pitch and they went they squeezed and the instinct Steve Davis couldn't get to build the game the way he usually would do. And I actually gave Rangers a lot of problems. And in both games, Rangers didn't get a shot on target in the you know, Ibrox, which is 1-1-0 with, a, with an own goal. Again, they parted Parkhead. When Rangers got a goal back out of a set play, again, Celtic's Achilles heel. But the actual game itself, Celtic controlled it. And Rangers in the second half were quite happy. They'd been playing Europe in the Thursday night. They were probably quite tired as well. So they, they contained the game, didn't they go and win it? This is different. So if Celtic play that way again, they're giving Rangers a problem how to how to beat Celtic. Or that way, listen, the caveat is Celtic, you know, at the back line, they're vulnerable, especially these set pieces and Dovey's and LeBron and Barisic and all that kind of stuff. But if Celtic do that again, that kind of, I can't say it's, it's not really it's not really a four four two because the, the fullbacks push in. It's a real pack midfield that they can dominate. I think that area is that's going to be key. If Rangers can get out and get beyond those fullbacks, that's certainly got a problem because because obviously kind of Kent can cause problems down the flank. You've got Aribo can can get in there as well if he's playing. Um, do they go with Hadji? I doubt it. After the last time you get kind of he was one that cut a draft, wasn't he? The last time. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I think the middle middle of parts is going to be the battleground as it usually is in these games, I suppose. Chris, it's Michael's correct to point out the set-piece problems have cost Celtic in both of the last two derby games. Um, it's four clean sheets in five games for John Kennedy since he came in. Do you sense that has been improved? And do you think that that's something that has that the levels have lifted since John and, and Stephen McManus have gone in there? Or do you think it's more down to the level of opposition that they were playing against? Um... Look, I don't think we, you know, we can give John a, a, a kicking for that. I mean, things things do look like that they've they've improved, but you know, ultimately the pressure's off in the league, isn't it? Because Rangers have already won it. I mean, we'll find out at the weekend, won't we? Whether whether Celtic have improved defensively, it's been their Achilles' heel now for a long, long time, and I think it'll be no different uh, on Sunday. You know, I do think that set pieces will have a large part to play in the game. Celtic haven't been good enough, you know, over over the years. It's been a strength of Celtic uh, this season. It's been a massive, massive weakness. And uh, and there's, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that Rangers will be looking to exploit it. Simple get balls into the box because Celtic don't have enough dominant characters who, who want to go and attack the ball. And, and these games are about winning. It doesn't matter... Um, uh, how pretty Rangers are on the ball, whether they make passes, whether they, they control possession. Stephen Gerrard will be thinking, where are Celtic's weaknesses? And and it's it's plain to see that set plays are uh, you know have been a massive weakness uh, this season for Celtics, and and they'll be looking to exploit that. At the other end of the pitch, Chris, um, you have spoke regularly, or you've spoken, I should say, regularly about Odson Edward this season, and perhaps not quite the output that Celtic could have expected from him despite a reasonable enough goal tally. Um, you talk about exploiting weaknesses. John Kennedy operated Edward off the sort of left side in that last game and it seemed to sort of attack the Rangers right back area and it certainly seemed to pay dividends. He created the goal for El Yunusi, who's now Mohamed El Yunusi, who's now got 19 this season for, for club and country and looks to be in good form. Are Celtic really due a massive performance in this game from Odds and Edward and also... Do you think El Yunusi is one who can really come to the fore on, on Sunday? Um, well, I think that, that Celtic argue a performance from from Edward, and you know he's uh, he, I think he's improved as the, as the season has gone on. But we haven't we haven't really seen an enormous explosive performance in a big game, and I think he owes it to Celtic 
this season. If um, this is going to be his last um, season at Celtic, then he wants to bow out on a high, win the game, uh, do something extraordinary, which we know he is capable of. Just this season, he has just seemed off the pace. He hasn't seemed at his best. I don't know what it is, whether his head has been turned, but he certainly owes it to the... uh, to the Celtic support and, and you know, and to the manager, um, you know, to put in a big performance with El Yunusi. Uh, I think he's flattered to deceive at times. And, you know, you've mentioned his goal tally for club and country. That surprised me a little bit, but he hasn't been consistent enough. And um, I think he's been a disappointment, if I'm honest. Uh, you know, Celtic getting him back was a big deal. I was really excited uh, about actually that link up between El Yunusi and Edward at the start of the season, because I think the previous season there were signs uh, in patches that, that, that their understanding was really exceptional, but we haven't seen it enough. And that's why Celtic have, uh, have, have languished behind uh, as far as the league is concerned. But these, these two players have the opportunity, as all the Celtic players do at the weekend, uh, uh, to they're not going to make things right but uh, to to finish the season uh, or try to finish the season on some sort of high. As Chris has suggested, Michael, it's probably just a tad too late for Mohamed El Yunusi to save your Scotland's Player of the Year prediction. Yeah, But does have a chance to save a trophy for Celtic this season? And would, would you see him as one of the main men if he's if he's really on it? Yeah, I do. I actually have a bit of sympathy for him. I don't think he was used um, properly at the start of the season. I think I think it found it difficult to find a system. Um, I mean, when Celtic went three five two, I don't think it suited them that that much. And I think I know he plays. He can play off the front, and he did it against Rangers last time. And I think he will do again this weekend. And he did it really well. But I think it's more about the, the energy he's got up there, and he can and he can harass. When you're looking at and Connor Goldson was the one he was harassing last time because um, Connor Goldson starts a lot of the moves for Rangers, and I think that that was a, a real key part of that game so I think he'll do that again um, and it does allow him to kind of get into kind of the forward areas when he, when he can turn the ball over so I think he is, he is an effective player um, I say I think he's not been utilised properly this year unfortunately for him um, I think he's better in the kind of the four two three one when he's a wide man but I can understand why they use him off the front and he is he's a goal scorer he scores goals and he creates goals but he's um, had opportunities, Mick, and he, he, he I know, I know, Chris. to the level which we, we all would have expected. I agree, but I, I do think, I think you're right, I think he's, uh, maybe he's a typical winger, that he'd, he'd get one good game, a couple of bad games and all that stuff, but um, it doesn't help him when he's, he's kind of shifting around positions, he's on the bench some weeks, he's playing up the front one week. Well, and well, well, like, yeah, but there's an I, argument to say if, if, is, uh, is, if he had played well enough, he would have would have been a regular starter. The fact that he's he's been inconsistent, the trust hasn't been there, right? Possibly, possibly. But I think I think he's not the only player in that Celtic squad who have suffered because of the. Top say, Michael, surely any official or part of the management team at Celtic would have signed up for twenty goals in a season from someone who's not an out and out striker. Surely oh. that comes across as a good return. And he's going totally. to get that. He's got 19 now and there's, and there's about five. Celtic will be hoping there's about eight games to go. Seven, eight yeah. games to go. Yeah, but I mean, there's, but there's, there's too many games that there's the first half of the season that it, it, it didn't have an impact in. Um, I mean, even the it's first goal, game, the big, should, it's should it's have scored in the big games. Yeah, I mean, should, have, should have scored. You know, a great chance to score in the first goal from game, I remember as well, uh, and put it over the bar. And that was a great opportunity right early in the season that, that kind of set a tone a bit. 
Uh, and the two 0 defeat. It's uh, well, and Chris um, Bishop about the big games. He scored. He scored against Rangers. He scored against AC Milan when no one could do it at the other end of the pitch. He scored two wonderful goals in Lille, and the defenders couldn't do their job at the other uh, end. Of the pitch. I mean, okay, listen. Did, I may just. Win. I may just be picking out instances. I'm playing devil's advocate here, but. Yeah. Right, I'll ask you, have his performances been uh, at a consistent level this season? No, they haven't. Have Celtic won any of these games, which he's, uh, which, you know, and you're quite right to throw that at me. I've, uh, actually, you know, you brought back memories of the, the goals in Lille, which were, you know, tremendous. But ultimately, it's about uh, winning things and winning big games. And I, I just, I, I just think that the disappointment is, is that we know he has the talent, we know he is capable, but that he has just been just been off it, and that and that would be look. He can put it right at the well. Well, he's not going to put it right at the weekend because he was here to to win ten. Um, you know, as all the other players in the Celtic team, but it's an opportunity at the weekend to uh, to uh, you know to make things uh, a little bit better for Celtic. Does Celtic's midfield pick itself, Chris? Of Scott Brown, Callum McGregor and David Turnbull, would you throw in any curveballs there or are they the three that have to start? Well, they're going to start, aren't they? I can't see anything being different at all. I think Turnbull's been decent in a in a Celtic jersey. McGregor makes things uh, tick and, and Scott Brown, I still think it, you know he's, he's conditioned and will have a major part to play in this game. He's going to be the one you know, firing the, the, the troops up uh, going out there, he'll he'll be more disappointed than than absolutely anybody in the team. The way this season has has faded out, and, and will want to finish his Celtic career on a high. So th- this is the game, isn't it? I mean, you know, who cares about the the remaining league games? This is this is the tie, the one tie now which really counts this season, and it's important for him to finish on a high and to to, to try and be lifting the cup at the end of May. Do you see that, Michael? Is it? Scott Brown having that type of performance and influence on Sunday and ultimately getting his hands on the Scottish Cup again as a the fond farewell from Celtic. Can you well, see that, that? That has to be that has to be his aim. Well we can see or not what depends on well I think Sunday depends on Sunday. Um he'll certainly be motivated, that's for sure. But he always is, so that's not going to change. Um I think they go I think Celtic have to go again in the same team as the last old firm game. I think I think um the only question is do you go with Laxal over Taylor? Laxell was mm. probably his best game for Celtic against Rangers that day, wasn't he? Mm. Um, in the middle of the park, it's I mean, obviously Turnbull, McGregor and Brown. It's Christie against Forrest. If he forces is fit, do you play Forrest or do you play Christie again? Maybe Forrest, we get the nod if he's fully fit. I would probably maybe go with Christie because of the, the way that, that, that his um, ability to win the ball and get a quick pass from behind against that Rangers kind of um, back line. I think, I, I think it'd be pretty much the same as the last time. I, think, I don't think there's any reason why to really change too much in it because of the way they played. Um, but I, I think that's the only two decisions really to be made on Saturday and Sunday. Chris, it was interesting to hear um, uh, yourself and Michael talk about the motivating of the trips. Just in a, a, in a, in a smaller side, who, was the, who, who were the biggest voices in, in the dressing room you were in at Celtic? Who, who were the guys who really, who really drove it before these games? Um, look, I think I think it was a collective. Of course, <laughs> of course, the manager was quite important, Martin, Martin O'Neill, uh, in terms of the right tone to to get you up for the games. But you know, wanted you to play on the edge, but not overstep the mark. Uh, Neil Lennon was uh, an extremely big voice, but 
Um, you know, also, also the, the Swedish guys, Mialbi and Larsson, were quiet, but they were ones uh, when they spoke. You know, you listened to them very, very serious uh, and, and motivated. You had to leave the Swedish boys to the to themselves on the day that uh, you know of all the games. Really, they well, weren't. Did, ones you just, that, did, you, did, did you just leave them alone? Did they just do their own thing? Yeah, because they weren't. You know, some of us like to sort of be a bit more lighthearted to try and you know, not think about the, the game too much or, or, you know, take your mind off the game. But, you you know, if, if you tried to sort of banter with uh, Johan or or Henrik, then they'd, they'd sort of threaten to rip your head off. So we learned that at quite an early stage, just to, just to leave them to it. That was that was the sensible option. Learned that at an early stage, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um. Michael, Stephen Wells, we talked about the Celtic defending this season and obviously young Stephen Wells has been given the majority of his chance since the turn of the year. Um, he has been rewarded with a four-year contract this week for his displays. Do you sense that Stephen Welsh is one who Celtic will use next season regularly or do you think is he would still be more in the backup category I know it's a difficult one to answer because you don't know the new, how the new manager is going to be and, who, and what he's going to want but could you see Stephen Welsh and Christopher Julian for example being Celtic's partnership going forward if I not, leaves of course not in the short term not in the short term next season no I think they'll be I think they'll be recruiting a couple of centre-halves um, experienced um, centre-halves um, I think listen I think Stephen Wilson came on a long way um, he's a lad I've, I've, I watched him at the under 17 Euros a couple of years ago uh, with Scotland and I thought he was good then um, and I think he, he was raw and kind of decided and he got through on, through on the lines didn't he in the, the first old farm game this season that was a difficult start for him um, but in latter months I think he has played pretty well um, he's good on the ball. He's good. At, he's good building at the back. He's um, maybe lacks a wee bit of height. That's the only concern with Stephen Welsh in the modern game. Centre half. I mean, look at I mean, Ayer, Ayer and Julian are both six feet five. Um, he's, he's he's a wee bit on the smaller side to get to get to the right top level. But then, what do you what do you mean the modern game there, Mick? Was it was just, it not important to be dominant years ago as well, or? No, but the olden days people were smaller, Chris. They just didn't get to get stopped, did they? That's just the way it goes. So what was, what, was, what was the average height back in the in the olden days then compared to where we are? Yeah, it did five feet ten. So goalkeepers with the bar, the barbecue, they didn't get in touch with bar the goalies back in the days. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Michael, I feel. I, I don't, uh, no, I mean, listen, I don't think he's not, he's not a big giant, is he? He's not a giant. Um, at the back, which you sometimes expect your centre halves. Um, but he's got he's he's, he's got more physical as the season goes on. He's obviously working in his, his physicality, but he hasn't maybe not got the height. But then listen, I heard Cannavaro, so who knows? Maybe he's said that doesn't matter, doesn't hold you back. Chris Michael has just compared Stephen Wells to Fabio Cannavaro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. just said he won't start the season. Well, Mick, <laughs> well yeah, and Mick, uh, Mick Mick was saying that size isn't everything. Uh, he'd know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but, uh, what about weight? What about no, size, Chris? <laughs> he's been uh, look. I think he's done. He's done pretty well. I I, I think that uh, you know, if we're honest, it's 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 still a wait and see with him. See, Celtic. You know, the fact that they've tied him down shows that they have faith in him. Was he twenty one? Yeah. Now, uh, you know, I think that that, that this is uh, another really big test 
for him. I think that, you know, it's vitally important. If he plays well at the weekend, uh, you know, up against uh, Morelos, I think he reads the game very well. But I do I do take Mick's point about, uh, you know, is he dominant enough in the air? And, uh, and, and you know, we've already spoken about the uh, Celtic's weakness against set plays. Um, you know, so next season, whoever the manager uh, may be, then that, that will certainly be an area of concern. Uh, the fact that they will need dominant um, headers of the ball uh, defensively or, you know, all, all, all over the pitch. It, 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 it's it's a vital part of the game and important. And, and you know, Stephen Welsh certainly isn't Bobo Boldy, is he? No, but it's, I know you joked about size isn't everything, but one of the criticisms that's been aimed regularly at Christopher Ayer this season is at six foot five, he doesn't get near anywhere near enough balls in the box at set plays. So, I've been saying this for years about Christopher Ayer for his size. When you actually think, at, you know, we, we're talking about defensive uh, set, set pieces, when you think uh, attacking set pieces, I couldn't, I couldn't. Do you know what? Off the top of my head, I can't think of a header which he has scored from an attacking set piece uh, for Celtic in a game. And at six foot five, you think, blimey, really? I mean, you, you'll probably, because re- you boys know your stuff, you'll probably reel off six headers. But I can't. he, oh, he I should can't. be doing <laughs> far, far better. Well, Chris, Christopher Julian, for example, you know, you can think, you know, I can think of a couple of headers, you know, really attacks the ball well. Um, in the box, and that, that's something you know. It, it's such an important part of the game. Martin O'Neill was, you know, always very, very big on that because people throw crosses into the box, long throws at the end of, of a game. That's where you know, all right, Bobo Baldy at times couldn't pass a ball five yards, but if a long uh, throw came into the box in the ninety-third minute, then he'd be knocking people out of the way and uh, and coming to clear it. Um, you know, and that, that's the else across the dressing room five yards. Well, <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was another strong part of his game as well. Yeah, uh, but but you know it 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 is so important. It, the memory of Celtic losing at Ibrox last time out after after being the better team from a you know no shots on target from Rangers a set piece. But do you know what? Did we did we actually expect something like that to happen? Yes, we did. Would we be surprised if something? Like that happened at the weekend? Absolutely not. I mean, it's Rangers will be, you know, Connor Golson attacks the ball exceptionally well, really, really well. And he's one that, you know, they've got to watch. Morelos, who, who wasn't particularly good in the last game at, the, at Celtic Park, got off the, you know, gets himself off the mark against Celtic, uh, you know, from a set piece where Celtic had, had, had played exceptionally well in the first half. Yeah. Lads, we touched upon this earlier. Um, just move on to it briefly. There are various uh, thought processes and what a strong end to the season will mean for Celtic lifting the Scottish Cup, winning at Ibrox on Sunday, maybe winning again in the league game. In the grand scheme of things and momentum for next season, do you think that it matters a great deal, Chris, or not so much because the slate's going to be wiped clean anyway? Uh, I think I th- I think it matters. I think it would be a major shot across Rangers' bows to 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 just say, "Hang on a minute, all right, you've you know you've won the league, but you're not as good as maybe you think you are." To put that element of doubt 
in the mind of the Rangers players, the fact that Celtic have performed, you know, okay in the last couple of games against Rangers. But whatever anybody says, it's about winning. And I, I didn't, you know, look into the last game too much because Rangers had, had had to cope with European football. They, you know, their squad was stretched. They were fatigued. You know, that's the least you'd expect from Celtic. Um, the big picture is is Celtic have flunked it this season in the in the league. This would be a uh, you know a small victory, but uh, but the Great War has been been won by uh, Rangers this season. Going into next season, a new manager will come in. Um, and uh, and and things will have to change quickly. But we've you know we've discussed this many times because yeah. and, and Mick's touched on it you know already on the pod um, today that the fact that there's going to be such a big overhaul, it's going to be a totally different Celtic team. I expect at the start of next season, unless you know unless some very strange things happen, which which we all aren't seeing. You know we've talked before about Edward's contract. We've talked before about Aya. Christie, we talked before about the loans who were who were uh, going to be leaving, and and these players will all need uh, replacing. Mike, oh, similar thoughts, or do you feel that the ten in a row failure has to? It's in the past now. People have to certainly have to look forward now and, and try and start building again. Would the Scottish Cup give them some sort of momentum? I think I think it I think it would in terms of positivity as well in terms of support and all that stuff as well and because I think I think I've touched on it at the start of the pod it's like I think if Celtic can can put Rangers out of the cup at their own in their own ground this weekend and go on and win the cup it just it just creates a wee crack in that kind of Rangers facade this season that, that they can't be beaten Rangers have not lost a domestic game all right so I'm in the cup but I believe my domestic league game does the mirror not count mate? no I, f- I forgot about them there for a second there. <laughs> but they're unbeaten the league they've done beautifully but they're unbeaten the league and even the last old firm game the, the way they're kind of, they're kind of um they're kind of framing it is that even when they don't play well they're still not getting beat and that was the way Celtic were if you remember even going back to the season last season when the Betfred Cup final the attitude was almost like we played so poorly, but we still we still can't beat us. Whereas so that's now kind of turned a wee bit, and it's now Rangers have that kind of superiority that they, they, even when they don't play that well, they're still getting results against Celtic. If Celtic can turn that around now and get to the end season with the, the cup and the, on the sideboard, it just sets sets we see a doubt in the minds of Rangers thinking, well, look, for all of the dominance they've had this year, maybe the gap isn't quite like you say, isn't isn't quite what they think it might be. Um, and Celtic will come back again next summer. They will strengthen. They'll have a new manager, new signings. I mean, it's a lot of uncertainty what will happen, but they've got it. You got to assume they're going to be stronger next season. Um, so, if they can get away out of this this season with a win at the end of the year with a cup, it's uh, a bit of positivity for everyone. And like I say, it seeds, the seeds of doubt might be sown across the city. So it's important. Lads, we have to finish the podcast obviously by discussing the managerial situation, uh, whatever briefly it's been spoken about ad nauseum. Um, obviously, Eddie Howe, main contender. Looks like if he's going to come, it's going to be in the summer. Do you guys have any problem with that? Uh, well, we're near the summer now, aren't we? I mean, I think we've been through the discussion where yeah. uh, if it was somebody who... Um, the, reason, the reason I ask, Chris, sorry to interject, the reason I ask yeah. is that there are a lot of ex-pros saying at the moment, well, if, if he doesn't come now, if, if it is Eddie Howe and he doesn't come now, they should just walk away and go somewhere else. Would you be, if, would you be in that camp or would you be happy enough to think... Okay, if he's a preferred candidate, it's okay to wait to the summer. Um, well, this is all about. It's, this all seems to be about Eddie Howe's uh, negotiations. I mean, that you know, that seems to be where we're at. And you know, 
I think we would all agree that if we're all in Eddie Howe's position, what he's taken over, um, the the player turnover, what he's coming into, the the intense pressure which will be on him from the first second, if it is Eddie Howe who, who uh, sets foot at uh, at Parkhead, he wants everything to be right. There is you know question marks over who's going to be this uh, sporting director. Um, you know, Eddie Howe may want to say in that. Now, that is, I think that's highly unusual if he does want to say in that. But he's, but uh, as a manager going into the uh, into a new job, you're never in a stronger position than when you first go into that job. So Eddie Howe will want to uh, make sure everything is right, and and he's entitled to do that. Now, from the club's point of view, you know there are two separate arguments here. Uh, you know, and I've said myself um, that that, that there, there was a strong argument that Celtic should have been getting someone in who wasn't in a, in a job when they knew that Neil Lennon uh, was going to leave. They should have made an earlier decision on Neil Lennon. But we have to look at it from from Eddie Howe's point of view, and and we would all be absolutely thinking the same. I'm I'm, I'm positive about that that he wants everything right because Celtic have finished twenty points behind their biggest rivals this season. They have been humiliated in the league. And we know that second is last in Glasgow. But th- this isn't going to be uh, uh, a quick fix, in my view. But Eddie Howe or whoever comes in will want to give themselves the best possible chance of fix it, fixing it. And that's why, in my view, negotiations are taking a long, long time. What, what, would, what would be the point of him coming in uh, this week? And uh, Celtic end up losing to Rangers. Uh, no, I think no point. And then uh, you know, then he would he would be starting on a down. What what is the point yeah. of him? You know, I, I don't even know how many league games are left. I've sort of given up on the league. Uh, you know, three what? or four, four. There you go, four league games left. Um, you know, from afar, he could watch the games anyway and analyse the situation. But I think that you know. With the way it is now, there's, that's there's what no happens point in, in modern coming football, in. isn't it, Chris? That is what happens in modern football. You hear about it all the time. Guys know what's happening and they're already doing background work before the, the scalp is held above and, and, and that happened in, And that happened in football in the olden days as well that people <laughs> Michael, if we can, Michael, if we could drag it forward from yesteryear, would you agree with most of the things that Chris said? I would, but I think more at the point Eddie how that it's 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 more legalities and, and the finer points of contract details. I mean, listen, I think Eddie Howe will be at Celtic in the summer. I think I suspect he might be still in the wage bill at Bournemouth. And why pay four hundred grand to get him out early when the season's done? When you, he can be working in the background, it may be contractual. Oh, what do you know, Mick? I'm just saying. I'm, just saying, I'm surprising. Know, I'm only surprising, Chris. I'm only, I'm only having a. I'm, I'm, only, I'm just thinking that. I mean, you can't. These these matters won't be discussed because it's contractual matters and they're, they're, they're highly private. Um, there's also mm. Richard Hughes angle as well. Listen, Richard Hughes was a, was was a, a Premier League technical director on a good wage wage as well. Well, do you get that part head? But that's another part of the budget that Celtic maybe looking at that we didn't actually plan for. So there's wee, there's wee things in the background going on like this that um, that cost a lot of money, but maybe in the longer term uh, we'll get ironed out um, really sounds say, like you're in the gnomic from where I'm not, I'm, I'm listen, uh, I'm listen from, uh, the, the word the, the noises Bournemouth the noises the noises coming out of Celtic is that are positive this, this is, is, is close or they're optimistic all these kind of warmy fuzzy kind of kind of phrases uh, as I know Eddie Howe's agent well, came out last one, week and said that give us one of the but, phrases 
I'm just saying optimistic. Optimism is the word that's getting used all the time about Eddie Howe. And I don't think there's that panic at Celtic as there is in the support. Because the longer it goes on, you think, oh, he's going to knock it back, he's going to go to Crystal Palace, he's going to go there. I get all that. But it may be something simple on that. It may not why, be why, quite why, as... Why would he go to Crystal Palace? Because Crystal Palace, Roy Hodgson's on £4.5 million a year at Crystal Palace. That's why you go to Crystal Palace. Um, that'd be one of the do, reasons do why you, you think, go to Crystal do, Palace. Do you think it's just about money for... Eddie no, Hale. I don't. I don't because if it was, it would be going to Castle Palace. Um, um, but in, in terms, in, you know, there's there's a big debate down south about you know Eddie Howe going north of the border to Celtic or should he go to Crystal Palace? Yeah, and uh, you know, so I don't know where you stand on that. But if you're talking about size of clubs uh, to really create an impact, then there's only one place where he's uh, going to go. Chris, uh, Crystal Palace. If they finish in the top half of the Premier League. You know, it's a big, it's a big wow. Everybody's high fiving each other. You know, where can he take uh, Crystal Palace from the, in, in in their current position to? And Crystal Palace aren't going to finish in a in a top six spot, as far as I'm concerned. He can take Celtic. The position Celtic are, uh, are in, they are uh, at a at a low ebb. They have they have nearly hit rock bottom this season. And the opportunity there to come, you know, similar to Martin O'Neill, actually. You, you know, you think about, I think it was 21 points this season before Martin O'Neill came up. I mean, this is an opportunity to to really, I mean, he's got a good name, Eddie Howe, but to take his name into another stratosphere, I believe, if he uh, he goes to Celtic and turns it round. But that's a big if, because, yeah, I- you know, th- this, this Rangers team are good. I agree. I agree with you, Chris. I know, I know we're we're kind of a bit slightly biased, but not based up here. But I, I mean, I know the, the financial rewards of, of working for a Crystal Palace is are greater. But it's not come all about money, Mick. No, no, this is what I'm saying. I'm saying, but what is what is the point of sitting back? Because they do could walk into a Crystal Palace job in four years' time, um, regardless of what happens mm. in, in Scotland, as as Brendan Rodgers showed. Um, but Crystal Palace finished tenth, and so what? I mean, when where did Crystal Palace finish the last seven years in the Premier League? 11th, 10th, 15th, 14th, 13th. I mean, it's, it's who cares? Do you know what I mean? I mean, you don't sit back and twenty. Well, Crystal Palace fans care. They do, but if you're if you're a professional manager and sit back in twenty years' time, they go, "Oh, how did you spend the the two thousands? Well, I got Crystal Palace up to eleventh one year. It was a great season. Well, well big wow, like you say. I mean, uh, or do you go and you go in Champions League with Celtic and and win trophies and all that stuff? I don't think I think it should be no competition. But I understand that it's, a, it's a, the, the, the trademark biggest league in the world and all that stuff, and there's a lot of money there. I mean, Eddie Howe's blew me away to find out Eddie Howe's last wage bill at Bournemouth in his last season was £108 million a year at Bournemouth. I mean, getting watched by two men and a dog. You think, my God, it's a different world. Um, so I, I can get I can get the, the, the gravitational pull of that, that league. But in terms of prestige and job, and listen, he can come to Scotland, do well, he'll still get a job like that in four, three or four or five years' time, as as Martin Eel showed, as Brendan Rodgers showed, if you go up to Celtic, do a good job, acquit yourself well in Europe, which is, by the way, is the real playground for any manager, never mind this ninth and 10th and 12th in the Premier League, go and do well in the Champions League, take a few big guns down, get to the latter stages of the Europa League or whatever, then you will get noticed like Stephen Gerrard's doing at Rangers. So you'll get, another, you'll get that job again. You'll get a bigger job time. than Palace if, if he does. Yeah, well I, I agree. I totally agree. I totally agree. I totally agree. Because the pressures at Celtic and Rangers are, are far greater than the, the pressures at Crystal Palace. That's for sure. I mean, I know they're talking about investment in the team, but investment for what? To get into the top six in the Premier League England, you're not even talking millions. You're talking happen. billions. Yeah. I mean, you look at teams like Tottenham, Arsenal, Everton throw money at it. They're all struggling to get into that kind of top four, top six. 
Mm. So it's, it's a glass ceiling that that league, and if you imagine outside that glass ceiling, I, I fail to see the kind of attraction yeah. really in the short term. So, so totally agree, Mick. I hope you're not uh, reporting on a Palace game in the near future, though. I mean, <laughs> you're just, you're just <laughs> taking them but it, but it, but it, but it is it, more like maybe drinking in the Harbour yeah, Palace. No. More like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm banned from there as well. Is that still there? I don't even know if that's still there. I think I'm still banned anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but if he yeah, has real, if if he has real ambition, Eddie Howe. I mean, of course, he's going to choose Celtic over Crystal Palace. Anybody can see that one. It's an easy one. Gentlemen, finishing the podcast on agreement. It really is unbelievable <laughs> stuff. Champions League podcast. They agreed in the olden days. That is very Guys, thank you very much for your time today. Much appreciated. Thank no you. problem, guys. Thank you. Uh, the Record Celtic podcast will be back next week to look back on events of the Cup tie at Ibrook. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Good luck. <laughs>